everybody. This is, oh my God, wait. Yeah, this is Andy Marquette. Did you forget <laughs> your I name? Was, no, I went Joe Bell. And we were, <laughs> we're women in words, bitches. That's for real. You forgot um, all your words. I just forgot Including everything. the what one are? that has your name attached to it. I know, wow. right? I, I was trying to think, maybe I want to do this differently. And I ended up doing it differently, but stupidly. Whatever. Well, Hi, friends. This is Women in Words. Do, do you want to <laughs> do, you want to do a, a do-over? No. Okay. Let's go with that. I Let's, like it. It's fun. This is how we are. Um, women in Words, <laughs> friends. Womenwords.org, the blog where we talk, you know, fiction, publishing, literature, writing, whatever the fuck else, books. And then Jove and I go into the weeds quite a bit. Yeah. I like the, the weeds. I spend a lot of times in the weeds. A lot of times oh in God. the weeds. Listen to the way I'm speaking. Oh, I have to tell you a story. Oh, my God. I need to drink weeds. less. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> weeds, y'all. Weeds. Um, back in the day, I well, I, I, dear listener, I've told you this before. I grew up on a farm in Colorado. And during the summertime, after the summer rains, there would be like this plethora, a veritable cornucopia of weeds out by our barns like like i'm talking big ass fucking weeds like they grew to like four or five feet and i'm like a little kid right so my sister and i would so go you literally out. got lost in the weeds got lost in the weeds and we would go out there with our dogs and we had this game we played with the dogs called weedy we would like play hide and seek with the dogs in the weeds <laughs> nice <laughs> like this is what people did before the internet friends okay don't judge <laughs> Anyway, Weedy. That's, <laughs> that's excellent. And, well, that's what I've been playing the entire time that we've been recording. Oh, my God. And, <laughs> Joe, if we, my sister and I still have – it's a running joke. Like, whenever we see a giant patch of weeds when she's out walking her dogs, we'll be like, oh, we could play Weedy. Nice. <laughs> nice. Oh, my God. And that was fucking years ago. Anyway, lost in the weeds, friends. Lost in the goddamn weeds. All I, right, Joe. I grew up in the high play? desert of southern Idaho, and I didn't have giant monstrous weeds. I did have a whole fuck ton of sticker bushes and, and oh, you know, cheat grass and goat yeah. heads and just goat heads, yep. anything mm-hmm. that could irritate and aggravate you as a human being. That's what right. I had. <laughs> little stickers in your in your socks. Yeah, in yeah. Summer. So, like, yeah, there's the little one that uh-huh. has, like, a whole bunch of a million different yes. pokey things. But then there yes. are the goat head ones that have, like, that looks like a goat oh. head with the horns. Looks like a goat head. Yeah, that you can't step on because if you do, you are like, you know, going to be limping for the rest of the damn day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I love I love my redneck yeah. upbringing. <laughs> <laughs> and the dogs, we would have to like cut the stickers out of their fur. Yeah. Out of their yeah. little paws every night. Poor yeah. things, because they go around and get those stickers. Fucking stickers, man. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. Anyway. Yeah, this was before the internet, friends. This is what we did, okay? Yeah. Pull stickers out of our dog's fur. Just, you know, whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh. Okay, um, Joe, do you have a story? I told a story. Do you want one? <laughs> um, you know how we got a new refrigerator and a new dishwasher? And when, yes. I, when I say new, I'm going to I'm gonna premise that. I got, they're new, but we bought them used. So they're new for us. Okay. But we have this appliance store that we go to because I'm a really big fan of old school at this point in my life, right? Same. Yeah. Same. And the, the store, they give you a six-month six warranty. If anything goes wrong, they come out to your house and they fix it. And they're the nicest damn people. And they deliver and they awesome. take the other stuff away. Like, I love them, right? So... It, are there sometimes quirks? Do I have to have them come out? Sure, sometimes. But I know that it will be taken care of. And with new right. stuff, eh, whatever. And anyway. Yeah, whatever. Good anyway. Luck. So last night, Tara and I are watching some TV show. I don't even know what it was. It doesn't matter. That does. Oh, you know what it was? It was Gilmore Girls. Was, I'm, I've been <laughs> binging Gilmore Girls, folks. Anyway. Nice. Nice. Anyway, we hear this sound coming from the kitchen. It's like, and I'm oh, like, no. there's like a small, like, you know, like a prop plane, like a twin motor engine plane, like crop duster flying oh, over the fields. And I'm like, what the fuck? And it was our new refrigerator. Like something in the freezer is just wrong. But I don't know. I called the appliance people. They're going to come out and fix it. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, it was. But that's cool though yeah. that they have that policy. So. Oh yeah, well yeah, because otherwise, like you know, if something like that happens, you get so stressed. Like, how are we going to fix this? And you wonder if you're going to get crap from the people. Like, they they don't ever like even are, they don't even like try and figure out why it's like over the phone. 
they don't try mm-hmm. and try and convince you that you know you've done something wrong or that but, it's not there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just like, oh, you know, I'm talking to her and I'm like, so my freezer sounds like, and she goes, what, like a small plane is taking off? Like she came up with that on her own. <laughs> so apparently this is an issue, right? And and that was exactly what I was thinking. Like this sounds like a plane, and uh, so. You know, and then, you know, we laugh together about it and okay, somebody will come out. Like there's no, whatever. I don't know. I just love that. I love everything about can we, that. Can we talk old school for a minute here? I have a yeah. friend who, who is trying to buy a new washer. Okay. Oh, don't and, do it. Oh God. Okay. So here's the thing. Her washer is, um, like it's slightly smaller than the standard size today. And so I was like kind of helping her. We were looking online and stuff. And I was like, how old is that washer? And she's like, I don't really know. It still works. But I mean, like the knobs have fallen off. And, you know, it's just like it's time to like upgrade a little bit. So I got the serial number and I like go online. I didn't know you could you could do this, friends. You can like find out what year Mm-hmm. Your washer and dryer are if you get the serial number, and there's like websites where you can do that. Yeah, I went to like was it Appliance Four One One or something? I don't and, know. That's awesome. Yeah, and I and I typed in the serial numbers, and I found out so many interesting things. Like the based on the model number, this particular washer was made by um, well, it's a it's a Kenmore, but you know Kenmore is like the Sears product. Yeah, which is, by the way, the easiest to repair and the most reliable in terms of appliances. And and also, but they, Kenmore partners, though, with Whirlpool and Maytag, which are also Uh really good. And, oh, there's two others. Oh, it doesn't matter. Anyway, yeah, they they have several several tags. So, so you know, I'm thinking about this, and I'm like, I look up the, the... (laughs) <laughs> like holy shit. Okay, so it turns out they know with base based on the serial number and the make and model that they can pretty much tell you that this washer was made in like there I guess there's a manu- manufacturing plant in in Clyde, Ohio. Okay. Oh this goodness. is where a lot of washers are made. But it's <laughs> where this, the washers come it from. It was made in like nineteen ninety two. And that holy fucker shit. is going. It nice. is still going yeah because they you know like the parts are actual real metal it's 26 it's like 26 years old friends and this fucker is still going they don't make shit like that anymore and i'm sounding like somebody's grandpa right now Ah, i don't make shit like that i'm pretty sure that you are somebody's grandpa um (laughs) estate estate is another kenmore brand yeah Mm. a roper too isn't it i think i don't i don't know um more that's like brands. the yeah well but, th- but they're exactly the same they're just yeah they're just different a little yeah. bit more stripped down yeah so and so we're like trying to figure this out and i was just like i got all fascinated with tracking this washer down and where it came from <laughs> but mm-hmm. y'all this thing is 26 years old and it's still fine yeah. i don't, I I don't mean, think you, that kenmore is like the gold standard for like new appliances but no. you know if you're gonna buy something used Look for Kinmore, Whirlpool, Estate. You know, those are the... Yeah, yeah. Because they're all totally, the same yeah. and the parts are affordable. They're easy to work on. They last forever. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, anyway, I just, you know, speaking of shit that, you know, old school shit that yeah. lasts. I, um, yeah, my sister and I always, and we bitch about this too, like everything, you know, you get like a new fridge and those fuckers break down in like two or three years. You can't get anything to last past four or five years these days. Well, in fairness, my refrigerator is like over 15 years old, the one that we replaced. So I guess I don't have a whole lot of room to complain because we bought it, you know, when we moved in. Okay. You know, when, we, right when Wyatt was See? little. But that still wasn't long enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm still breathing, and there's no reason I should be spending $2,000 on an appliance again. Like, that's no, something that, you I mean, only that's have to do once. freaking ridiculous. It is. Like, it you, is. Can get, you can get a decent washer, really, really basic, for like 400 bucks, 450 bucks at Home Depot. Yeah. Like, yeah, and I mean, I buy the stripped down models. That's yeah. I've got one now that I've had for like five years, and mm-hmm. it's fine. Uh, the dryer I'm using is like ten years old. I bought it used, and yeah. it's fine. You win. You know, I mean, right? It's just like mm-hmm. the fuck. People. Anyway, anyway, how the fuck did we get to talking? <laughs> I don't what know because we doing? because we're old and we walk to school uphill <laughs> in the 
uh, whatever. So and then uphill on the way back. Yes. Yes. Hills. Yeah. Oh, totally. Hills. God damn it. Oh <laughs> shit. That's hilarious. Um. Anyway, That's just okay, wrong. friends. Um. <laughs> shit. Let's. All right. Let's do this. Let. Should we do this? Let's talk about the blog. Let's do oh. it. This is so exciting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, May eighteenth. <laughs> May eighteenth. Uh, one of our readers in residence, Daniel Zion, joined us with this. This is cool, you fr friends. Um, books about golf because Daniel happens to be a, an LPGA groupie, and she herself nice. is a golf. So she went on a road trip to North Carolina to take golf lessons and get a jump on the golf season. Dun dun dun! She is a Golf Channel LGBA, LPGA tournament coverage groupie and was looking to improve her game. Dun, dun, dun. So that's so hilarious. Mm -hmm. I've never actually met an LPGA groupie. I, I didn't um, know that was a thing, but why wouldn't it be a thing? A thing. Guess, why wouldn't yeah, it be? Guess, you know, that's so true. Yeah. Why would not why would it not be a thing? But <laughs> anyway. You can find anything <laughs> on the internet. Anything. <laughs> These are things everywhere. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, in anticipation of this road trip, Danielle like downloaded and she read a few golf themed favorites to get her into the mood. And here's a couple of, of more recent ones. Um, Jen Silver. Yes, running love her. Up 17. This takes place during a golf school. Uh, unlike ours, the program at Temperley Cliffs is for women only and all sorts of drama unfolds as the students begin to arrive. Dun, dun, dun. I love golf drama, y'all. For real. <laughs> I didn't know that it was a thing. Oh, like, girl. I, I, yeah. I like tennis drama. Is it similar? <laughs> the ball only goes one direction golf instead of back and forth? It's insane. Tennis drama is bad too, though, but golf drama as well. Um, those people are fucking intense. All right, y'all, just all right, dear listener. In Andy's sordid past, she dated a golfer, um, and I got to learn the game pretty well. I, I kind of suck at the long game, but my short game's actually pretty good. And I ended up caddying for her on and a couple of her. Uh, Wait, and you her caddied stuff. for your girlfriend? I did. I'm a pretty good caddy. Yeah. I object to this power dynamic in a relationship. Not cool, dude. No, <laughs> cool. it was. I was doing it. It was no. like mm -mm. caddies no. have. Do you even know what caddies do? Yes, I know what a caddy does, but it's still you're the servant in the relationship. You're following her around, going here. Let me get your towel. Let me get your club. Let me get your whatever. No, she no. carried her own damn clubs. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> she carried. She carried her clubs. I would or or I'd carry them. Depended, but she, you know, I would walk the course with her, and she'd be like, "All right, so this is about a hundred yards," and I'd be like, "Yeah, you're gonna need your three on this one." And yes. So, like, so it's there's an art to it and a skill to being a really good caddy because you're sort of like. You have to know the game really, really well, mm -hmm. and you have to know the clubs and, and the weather and even the type of ball makes a huge difference in this game. So, and it's fun to be out there actually walking around now. On principle, you guys, I'm, I'm just going to own this. I really kind of don't like golf just because on principle, like, look at all that water going to waste. And I've always been kind of a, a proponent of, like, tailoring your golf courses to the landscape in which you live so like if you're in the sonoran desert you're gonna be playing some goddamn sand wedges the whole time <laughs> right okay, i'm just saying. yeah <laughs> yeah anyway anyway so golf has a lot of drama and i'm i like that i'm gonna i have to read the, i have not read this book by jen silver but i i think she gave a copy of it away at the hootenanny and i was like oh this looks good i gotta read it also, KG McGregor's Mulligan, that's from 2005, is one of Danielle's favorites from KG's body of work. And this is about a woman named Louise Stevens who finds herself facing retirement after the sudden loss of her partner. And there are sparks from the start with her first inauspicious run-in with golf pro Marty Beck. So golf can be a really cool background, I think, to relationships and like other issues. Well, I don't know. It's like tennis because tennis books too. I, I like tennis stories as well. Yeah, well, they have that inherent built-in right? power dynamic, and you know, it's right. kind of kind of got that whole politics on grass kind of experience. So I totally, yeah, I get it. Politics I can on grass, see it. I love that. Holy shit! Um, and the last <laughs> book that she recommends here is Harper and Carolyn Bliss's *A Swing at Love* 2018. I love and that they wrote a book together. That's Isn't so it the best? Yes. And it's a light 
sweet romance between newly arrived golf pro Tamsin, anybody named Tamsin I am a fan of, yes. and an older, divorced, previously quote-unquote straight, late be-in club nice. member. Nice. So I have to say that I'm noticing a trend in these May-December romances. Yeah. Like, they're becoming more and more popular. And I'm noticing that because I, when I do the book lists, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I'm just like, wow, there's a, there's another one and another one. Older, older woman, younger woman. It's really interesting, and I'm not sure what that's about because not to be an asshole, but could we please write two like older women together, please? You know, I, here's what I think it's about. <laughs> Let me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pontificate. Um, please, because I recently wrote one. Bitterroot Queen. The couple was, you know, there was mm. an age, you know, whatever. What's an age gap? Right. Yeah, like okay. 15 yeah. years, right? Which is mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, but I think it has to do with, uh, I think it's a feminist statement because it's a, it's about us claiming our power. Historically, you know, men are drastically older and the women are drastically younger. And so if you have the older woman in the relationship, and, and I get that the dynamic is different because it's two women, but I still feel like mm-hmm. that's part of it. Like it's the politics of feminism and being able to be the older one in the relationship. That's what I think. Do you think? Uh, oh my! You're okay. all. I don't buy that bullshit. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure. When I was back in the day, um, I, I remember thinking that what I liked about older women was their was feeling was their power because mm-hmm. there are a lot of older women as they as women age. I think a lot of them find their power. Mm-hmm. They reclaim their time. Well, it's and it's, go ahead. There's something really sexy about that. Yeah, well, and it's not just that, you know, they've, they've come into themselves and they know what their standards and what, they, what their likes and their dislikes and all that, which is very powerful and sexy, right? But they're also mm-hmm. established. And so all the things that you're struggling to, to earn as a young person, they have it, right? And I'm not talking about like, I'm not talking about like <laughs> being with somebody because, ooh, that guy's got a cool car. It's not like that. It's just that, you know, seeing somebody with their shit together in their career and, in, you know what I mean, like owning a house instead of renting a, a studio apartment or you, do you know what I mean? Like just mm-hmm, stuff like mm-hmm. that. It's super. Cause it all goes into that same dynamic, that same I'm in charge thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's old women are hot. <laughs> We're fucking hot. That's all I got to say. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's all I have to say. Yeah. So May, <laughs> December, you know, as a parent though, I Wait, get really freaked out by May, that, December romances. Have I told you this? Ha, am I right, though? Is it May, December? Is this the older and then the younger? Is that, yeah, yeah. Is that the right destination? Yeah. that's. I mean, that's what they're called. But, you know, okay. I, I, I do. I get freaked out depending on how they're how they're put together. And I've, I've written them. You know, I, I wrote it in Love and Devotion, too, right? You know, the, the, the main character yeah. is having mm-hmm, an affair with mm-hmm. her mom's best friend. That's true. Yeah, right? yeah. There's but, a... Weird dynamics at play. Yeah, mm-hmm. but as a parent, shit creeps me out. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but if somebody is the age of your child or your grandchild, they're too young. Just no, back it up. Yeah, there's some. So, that's really interesting to yeah. think about. You know, what if your if your kid brought home somebody who's like you know 15 years older and and like almost coming up on your age? I yeah. I don't know. I would, I would struggle would, with it. Yeah. I would. I and I would too. I yeah. I try really hard to let my kids make their own choices, but but here's the thing about that kind of relationship. I understand why a young person would want to be with an older person. I totally get the appeal of that power. Mm-hmm. Totally mm-hmm. get it. I don't understand why an older person would want to be in a relationship with a younger person. The only reason I can think of is because you know they're pretty and they have lots of energy I and they're good in bed. The, uh, we see this in okay. I'm, let's just go here to the stereotype okay okay a lot of times we see like a cisgender heterosexual dude doing this right yeah, and i mean he's like like you know uh, some guy in his like early 50s pushing 60 and he's got like some 25 year old woman on his arm yeah um i think in that regard that's a midlife crisis for oh, the guy. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. in a way, it's you're kind of trying to reclaim your youth or something or yeah. relive it. 
But guess what, old cisgender heterosexual man? You don't have to have sex with a young person to still feel young, okay? Really, you don't. I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying. Heads up! I really, <laughs> I really like hanging out with young people. I love their energy and their views, but I do not want to have sex with them. Yeah, no, I don't like, either. <laughs> that thought never enters my mind. That's like, ew, I feel like I'm kind of more like an, like an older sibling or a right. mentor. Yes. I don't think of myself in those terms with them. Yeah. And that's why that's why it kind of like how does how does somebody get to that mentally, like to where they're looking at somebody that young and they put them mm -hmm. in the position of being a, a, an option for, you know, a, a sexual partner. And I just I don't get it. Right? I, I, I look I at younger and I do that. I do exactly what you're talking about. Like, let's figure out how I can mentor this person. <laughs> that's, I do that too. all the time. I'm like, what? How can I mentor this person or, you know, what can I offer? But also, I like learning about their perspective. Oh, totally. Yes. So, you know, it's, I mean, there's a two-way communication thing going on here. But I can't think of a younger person where I've been like, oh, yeah, I'd hit that. That's so gross. <laughs> it Ew. really, really is. Yeah. It I mean, really, if it's somebody, really is. like, ah, uh, <laughs> even, even if it's somebody in their 30s, I'm like, ew, no. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yo, you and I are both very, very old. That's just all there is to it. Well, you know what it is? I think that we're, we also have pretty damn good boundaries in that regard. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, because young people, a lot of young people, they're, especially if they're teens or they're in their early 20s, you know, they may not have good boundaries. And so... I think it's important as an older person to sort of provide guidance, especially for younger queers and, mm -hmm. you know, to offer a safe space to like, I don't know, be a vent space or a therapist almost and just talk about shit. Right. Without right. Them having to think you're going to hit on them. Gross. Mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, what you are saying is very wise. And I think that's, that's for heterosexual dynamics too. Like mm -hmm. I think that, it's important to be able to talk to older people to get their perspectives. And I think there's a lot of wisdom that young women could get from older dudes. But unfortunately, older yeah. dudes don't yeah. always have the right boundaries. And it ends up feeling skeezy. And it ends up being gross, yeah. right? It's just gross. Yeah. Um, anyway. Anyway, how did we get on that? We uh, get on? Oh, yeah. May, May December. December. These these are what we like to officially refer to as the weeds. The weeds. We're in the weeds, y'all. Okay, mm -hmm. pulling us back out of the weeds. May 20th. Oh, thanks, Danielle. That was awesome. We got to talking in, in the weeds again. May 20th, our awesome friend from across the pond, Stevie Carroll, joined us to talk about a really cool graphic novel. Um, okay. Stevie has talked about this... This, the, it's called the Peterloo Picnic, and it's held on the closest Sunday to the 16th of August, and it commemorates events of 1819 when a peaceful political rally on St. Peter's Fields in Manchester was broken up by the local yeomanry, and thank you, Stevie, for informing us that that's a, that's a private militia. A it's private good to know. Okay, I thought it was know. like had to do with the yep. Navy, so yeah, that's good to know. <laughs> And a regiment of regular cavalry resulting in the deaths of 18 people and injuries to, like, anywhere between 400 to 700 people. So, following last year's gathering, a few new projects were announced to commemorate the 200th anniversary of the massacre. And one of these projects was a Kickstarter campaign to fund the production of a graphic novel. Cool. Peter Lee witnesses to a massacre and it tells the story of peterloo based on recent research and stevie says of course i immediately signed up as a backer yeah <laughs> well of course right she on, did. so it's based on research conducted by a gentleman who has more academic account due out in july um and backers have been able to collect their copies of this graphic novel and so she's got pictures of it and the art is really freaking good so this is, it's an attempt to balance her tradition of walking to Peterloo events with the time constraints of an evening meal. And, you know, she, so she goes to this commemoration all, all the time. She's got her book, her badge, and a temporary tattoo to be worn at the August events. And her book is signed. So basically, Stevie is a total Peterloo fangirl. Nice. That's really what, that's really what this is about. It's this, right on. That's good. 
again, I didn't know you could be a fangirl of that either, but the things I, I learn. I know, and this art is so beautiful. And she says that this book, tell, the graphic novel, tells the story of those who were present at the time when, when it's possible, taken from newspaper reports, inquest accounts, and personal journals. And the illustrations are remarkably vivid and detailed. And she's right, because she like posted the photos right here. It's so cool. At least one of her friends is depicted as a cast member of, of you know, the people in the Peterloo, Mouse and Peterloo incident. Oh, interesting. Or, protests i guess so this whole thing is so fucking cool so coming up of course she says we have the august events including this year the unveiling of a permanent memorial and i'm greatly looking forward to seeing that so because you're such a history nerd and fangirls tv and i love you oh my god i i do too i love everything about this and her hmm gosh what an idea to do a graphic novel because that and that is such a great medium to teach young people about history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. It's like this. taking it's like taking a Shakespeare play and and modernizing it, but keeping the language of Shakespeare yeah. and getting that passion of the language into it. It's you know it's it has a lot of value. Yeah. I love it. If I was teaching, I would be assigning fucking graphic ass novels. You damn right. Yeah. No, you totally should be. <laughs> I think. Anyway. Thanks, Stevie. That was awesome. I wonder if we can buy that. I'm going to check that out. All right. May 21st, Ash Bartlett joined us. And Ash has a new release, Job. Um, her new- yay! Yeah, her latest book, Cash and the Sorority Girl. That's what the, the her Cash series. Um, this <laughs> Ashley could write a damn book about her family, and I really think she should. <laughs> so... Here, this is, you know, big news. My book came out. There's a weird liminal space around book releases. There's the day the book is available on the publisher's website. There's the official release day when it's available everywhere. There's also a secret release date two to four weeks earlier when the ebook is available to reviewers and everyone at the publishing house. And, Joe, you know what that sounds like? That sounds like female, female anniversaries. Like, is it the anniversary of your first date, your first kiss, the first time you saw each other, the first time you slept together, or the U-Haul? What is yeah, it? Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> and you just got to pick one and, and hang on to it. Go with it right? Yeah, it's so true. Tara and I had that oh conversation my- the other day because I couldn't remember... It, it doesn't. I couldn't remember something that she thought was a fairly significant anniversary, <laughs> and I'm like, "But Shit, I've had that combo. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I, I remember the important whatever. I was, I was in trouble. <laughs> as in, I as in trouble. Totally hear you. Shit. <laughs> anyway, keep going. Sorry. Okay, so um, yeah, and Ashley's family apparently <laughs> reads her books. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> So she says, on the publisher release date, my mama starts reading. Last time I released a book, she went up to her reading nook. Her partner built a second story on their house. It's just a reading room for her. Nice. I guess that's a normal nice. thing. Normal people build. Uh, and I read that's the a normal thing novel. if you have more money than sense. <laughs> right. And read the entire novel in a day. But then she got mad because there were no more books. There was no more <laughs> book. This time she parsed it out and made it last a week, which meant a week of text messages I didn't dare respond to. I'm used to this behavior from my mama, but now my dad is into the books, and it's great, really, except he's calling me after every chapter to discuss that chapter. I have absolutely not a damn clue what happens in chapter eight, Dad. And now my grandma is reading the book? Like, yes, okay, I gave her the first cash book, but I didn't know she would actually read it. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love everything about that. I, I do. I, I Ashley isn't shy with her writing either so that just makes me a little nervous for her parents there are things i don't want my parents to know about me (laughs) yeah i I don't really want my family reading my stuff and fortunately i don't do because that's just creepy yeah but but kudos to you ash glad you have that kind of relationship with your family they are just lovely and progressive they're she's got Mm -hmm. a cool family very cool family Mm mm-hmm all right, so, friends, Ashley's books are available through Bold Strokes Books, or you can go online and find them, and you can get the whole series, the whole cash series, and 
Jeff and I highly recommend Ashley's writing. She could write a grocery list, and you should fucking pay money for that. We're she's, just saying. She's got a beautiful, beautiful way with prose, and she pulls the story together very nicely. Yes. Yes. So, you know, if you if you want to be spending money on books, start there. Yeah. And, hey, she begins with an A. So, there you go. It's a good yeah. mnemonic device. Ashley. Boom. Okay. <laughs> and her last name's Bartlett. A-B. Boom. There you go. A-B. <laughs> Ashley Bartlett Cash, A, B, C. Do I need to keep going? <laughs> Ashley Bartlett Cash Dollars, A, B, C, D. There you go. Boom. You okay. know, she got married. That's not her real last name anymore. I'm just saying. Yeah, I know. But it helps with the mnemonic devices. All right, fine. I just wanted Jesus. to, like, you know, tease. All right, go. Mm. Just talk. Uh, all right. Ignore okay. me. <laughs> May 23rd, friends. Uh, Renee Beth, can we just get a moment to mm-hmm. just sing Renee's phrases? She's so cool. Renee is the bomb, and also, um, this is so super coolio. Coolio. Um, I don't think you should say that again. (laughs) Okay. But anyway, um, uh, she's a Goldie winner because the anthology she did with Lee Lynch, Our Happy Hours, LGBT Voices from the Gay Bars. Mm -hmm. She's been named one of the four winners of the 2019 Alice B. Readers Awards. Nice. Renee, congratulations. That is super cool. Congratulations. Absolutely. So I just wanted to bring that in because Renee, y'all, is, speaking of mentors, mm-hmm. she, she's one of mine. She's I just so she's wonderful. So wonderful. I just, there's so much wisdom there. I, I, don't, I just, I cannot, I don't have the words to explain it. But wisdom when, without pretense, wisdom? which is really important, I think. Like, yes. she's very, very smart, but she's very, very accessible. And she's... Yes. That's so, yes. And it's she's so open grounded. to the conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so grounded. It's like, I mean, she's like kind of this earth mama, black girl magic going on. I love, I just, I feel like in awe and honored when I'm around Renee because I'm just, I know I'm going to learn something. And I love that. So anyway, Renee, thank you for blogging with us. I just wanted to get that out there. And now she's blogging about spring because... Spring. Spring is a thing, and Joe, I know you do this at your house. You know, you got some stuff to plant. Am I right? Oh, yeah. No, this is my favorite time of year for my yard. Oh, I got to send you a picture, Andy. It looks like Please do. it looks like I live in a beautiful garden. Like, like I just have, like, that perfect, you know, like, you, when you think about, like, the cool house with the cool garden. Yeah, my front yard uh-huh. looks amazing right now. Uh, send me a photo. I will. Can you remember to do that? Write that down. I want, I want I, a photo. I will do it. And... Renee has posted photos of her garden and her yard, and you guys, this is beautiful. We need to go to Renee's house and have a barbecue. Yeah, I feel like my world would be so much better for so many reasons if that happened. Right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, so she's talking about her wife, Viv, has been doing some gardening, and and so Renee's like, I've planted a few herbs, prepped the garden boxes for tomato and green beans, and most importantly, done a mental review of the quickest route to the closest patient facility. This third (laughs) chore is mandatory because although she's neither careless nor accident prone, my wife gardens with a zealous intensity that often results in a few, oh my God, you're hemorrhaging or why are you limping (laughs) reactions each gardening season. She made her 2019 inaugural pilgrimage to patient first less than a week ago when a mystery insect's bite Sparked my, oh my God, why is your eyelid all red and swollen shut? (laughs) A couple of ice packs and any his means later, she was as good as new. Bless her heart. Oh my God, Renee, I love you for saying bless her heart. Yes. (laughs) I love everything about this. Okay, so the picture of the scarecrow looking dude that's made out of, I don't even know what that is. Like, it's sticks and I don't know. She's got so <laughs> the other day I was See driving that? I was driving through Vancouver and I saw I was driving past this house that had the best garden ever and they had a tin man that they had made out of stovepipe in oh, their front. It was amazing. That is Yeah, it was super awesome. cool. Yeah, super, super cool. But I must say I appreciate the sunglasses. Oh yeah. Sure. But isn't that's, that like a that's... snow hat, like a beanie? <laughs> hey, it's a <laughs> snowboarder scarecrow, man. No, dude, I love it. I love everything about it. I, Tara would never let me do something like that, though, because she'd look out in the backyard when it was dark and think we had an intruder and then probably shoot it in the face. And she'd shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my oh, God. Yeah. Okay, so then Renee talks about, you know, it's prom season, you know. Yeah. And um, 
As for proms, to this day, I don't understand how I managed to survive two of them, junior and senior, the anxiety of it all, the stress of trying on gowns, shopping for shoes, worrying about the weather. Uh, and she says, I went to an all-girls high school, so I didn't have to worry about being invited to the proms. <laughs> <laughs> My sister classmates and I chose whom we wanted to go with, us in the to the event of course asking a girl to the prom would have been revolutionary it might also have earned me an express ticket to a 72-hour hold in a mental health facility back in the day friends this is for real but i survived and i discovered the upside of proms so weddings also this is wedding season for a lot of folks and renee talks about uh that she married her wife in 2013 when it became legal there in maryland and they married two years before the Supreme Court's ruling legalized the unions throughout the nation. And so she says, this past May 4th, we were honored to witness the rights of marriage accorded to our neighbor's son, Samuel, and his groom, Gregory. We've known Samuel since they were a child. After the ceremony, we hugged and gave them their wedding gift. It means so much to me that you're here, said Samuel. You two were my first queer role models. Nice. Oh, my God. Nice. I'm nice. getting, I'm choking up at that. Yeah, I love wow. that. I love that. So cool. And Samuel clearly uses they, them pronouns. Yeah, I saw so, that. So Renee, kudos. Yeah. And, and she has yeah. pictures. They're so cute, these photos. Oh, my God. I love everything about this. So good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. so good. So good. Thank you, Renee. Gosh, I just love an up note like that. Mm-hmm. Me too. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Anyway, thanks, Renee. Gosh, that was so good. May 24th, um, yours truly, Andy Marquette. Guess what I remembered to do, Joe? Uh, the book list? Yes, I did. Yay. <laughs> Woo. It might have been a little bit late this month. Sorry, friends. But also, um, because we've got the, the hot, the coming attractions are June, I've got like a little shout out to Pride on this Pride. particular this particular. Um, hot off the press list and basically what I say is it's, and this year is, is kind of pivotal it's the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Uprising oh yeah that's important that was there I have some friends from overseas who didn't know what that was so there's a link here in response the Stonewall Uprising was in response to yet another police raid on a queer bar and if you don't know what that is, it's a pivotal event that sparked a new fire in the modern LGBTQ rights movement in the United States. But, friends, pride ain't just a party. It's the, com the commemoration of queer courage and visibility of a coming together in the face of oppression, and it's about taking our space. Don't lose sight of that message because that's really what pride is about. It's uh, our celebrating our resilience and an acknowledgement of those we've lost and those we have yet to be. So these these are really shitty times, friends, around the world. And it makes pride even more important, especially if you are in a place where you're probably going to not, where you're going to be able to participate. There are countries all around the world where you cannot do this. Mm -hmm. You cannot be far. So think about those people, too, when, if you're going to be participating in a pride event. Think, be doing it for the people who can't. Mm -hmm. It's so important. That you that that you realize that this is for them too, not just for you. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna take uh, Noah and Michael down, my my two little queer boys, and let them uh, <laughs> have some fun at Pride. I'm hoping they're gonna march in the parade. I don't know if they will or not, but they're definitely they're old enough now, and they're, Noah is tall enough that I can see him over the top of other people. But oh, holy shit! Really? God. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that boy has, and he's got giant feet. And he's just it's just so fun. Anyway. Um, they're old enough now that I can, you know, turn them loose to a limited degree. You know what I mean? Like I, they can actually go and enjoy and not worry about, you know, holding my hand and staying, staying with mom. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so it's kind of cool. I'm excited about it. I dig it. That's so awesome. So friends, everything you do as a queer person or an ally is an act of resistance and rebellion and a forging of a connection. So however you decide to celebrate or commemorate or acknowledge pride, May the fierce be with you, bitches. Mm -hmm. Just saying. Go forth and read queer books. That is an act of resistance and rebellion, and also it's fun. 
Um, I also have some photos here. I have a photo here of a news report from June 29th, 1969, that reports on the first night of, of the uprising. People don't realize, too, that the uprising, like, spread out over a few days. It yeah. started in the early hours of, of that June day. Um, like, after midnight, the cops raided the Stonewall Bar, and it was like, for whatever reasons... The queers were like, you know what? We are so fucking done. We're done with this. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a limit, and that was the limit. And so there was an uprising. There were police officers who were injured in in the melee, in the ensuing melee. It involved um, queers of all persuasions, drag queens, mm-hmm. transgender people, uh, lesbians, butch dykes. It involved queers of all persuasions. And but what was really key and what people don't see, don't really understand about Stonewall and why it took off the way it did was because in the queer movement at the time, it wasn't that this was the first time queers had done this. I mean, queers have been doing this in American history like throughout the 20th century. There's always been protests. What was different this time was that the next day or right after that first initial melee, there were activists and organizers who understood and recognized the importance of this event and immediately started organizing other events and visibility. Mm-hmm. So when you're thinking about being visible and being an activist, think about larger strategies and how you can work messaging because that's really what activism is about too. So because those folks were there and saw this happening, they leveraged it and create were able to create a larger movement. And now obviously the energy and the ethos was right for this to happen. There was a lot of other stuff going mm-hmm. on. The Vietnam War was going on. There was all kinds of other protests. There was this was a moment and these folks capitalized on it. So we've also got another headline from the nineteen seventy uh, that was the first official Gay Pride March, was the 1970 march to recognize the Stonewall, commemorate the Stonewall gatherings. And then another one from 1972, and I found a great one from 1973 that has all of these lesbians and trans women holding signs. One says, Dyke Power. And this is from 1973. Another one says, Gay Rights for Lesbian People. <laughs> nice. <laughs> right on. <laughs> and it's got, you know, just it's just a great image. And... Um, one of the books that I included on the book list is is basically an image of pri- it's photos of prides in New York City over the years. Mm-hmm. So you might y'all might want to check that out. And I also happen to know that there's a really interesting split that is occurring right now. Maybe it's not a split. We'll just say kind of an offshoot. An offshoot. Um, there's been a lot of complaints about, and not specific to New York City, but this is where it's happening. The New York City Pride, I don't, for those of you who have gone to the New York City Pride Parade, it is a fucking massive, like, not never-ending stream of a lot of corporate floats. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of corporateness, you know, and that's not just the New York Pride. You see it in a lot of the major prides. Yeah, Portland's and, like that. And, and you've got, like, barriers, so the people lining the streets can't join in, into the march, like, used to happen i mean i think this still happens in albuquerque you're still able to like jump off the sidewalk and just like go join in the march and that there's something really empowering about having access to that to do it you can't do it at new york pride because there's just so many fucking people um so what happened was a a group got together and they are going to hold a march before the major pride march and they're calling it, I think it's the Queer Liberation March, and it's in the spirit of the 1970 march, the, of, of visibility, of fighting back against oppression, of reclaiming queer space without corporate, you know, overlays. And they're going to be marching on the original 1970 march. It's a long walk. It looks like it's about three or four miles. But they're doing that before the pride, the major, the corporate pride march. And... I actually am going to try to get to New York to participate in that one because something feels really raw and original and important about this march. And I would like to be part of it Mm -hmm. and I want to see it. So it it feels to me like, like Maxine Waters, like reclaiming our time and, and getting into what the spirit of Stonewall is all about. So for those of you who celebrate pride, kudos to you. Please don't forget 
what it's really about. Yeah. That it's about you and your visibility and reclaiming your space and making sure that those around the world who can't, that you are in spirit for them too. So just think about those things when you're out there. It's not just a party. There's a lot of other things that, that we need to think about in terms of pride. So anyway, that got deep really fast. Sorry. Yeah. I agree. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. All right. Moving along. Oh, my God. May 24th. Also, Aaron Zach joined us. I think Aaron just had a book published, and I, I feel so dumb because I can't think of the name of it. But Erin um, Zach, Bold Strokes Books, y'all. She has a book out. Go find it. It's on our book list. <laughs> like, anyway, Erin anyway, um, Zach is a Game of Thrones fangirl, Jove. Mm, have nice. you finished out? No, series? no, I haven't. I haven't watched the last season yet, so don't talk about it. I, it's not okay. Well, I can't talk about it because I haven't seen it. But you know, one of Aaron, one of my friends. Had, wait, 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 wait. Game of Thrones. One of my friends published a series of articles uh, with CNN about Game of the final season of Game of Thrones. Well, that's just rude. They shouldn't have told you all those things. Oh, they didn't tell me. I didn't read them. I just oh, okay. congratulated them. Right. So, oh, right on. Yeah, very so cool. Just she's sad because the series is over and she got really attached to the characters. Yeah, that's what this is about. Yeah, and it's about you know getting attached to fictional characters, and so there was one show, in addition to Game of Thrones, that stole her heart and just as quickly broke it when it wasn't renewed after only nineteen episodes. My so-called life. Do you remember that show? I, I do remember it, but I didn't watch it, which probably has something to do with why it was canceled. <laughs> my 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 watching my watching history is the is the deciding factor. Sorry. This is a great show. I've seen a few episodes and. Um, it's about, you know, high school kids and as a high schooler, when Aaron was watching the show, the same age as the leading teenager, it was so fucking cool to see real problems and predicaments portrayed on the screen with such care and honesty. It was, it really was a great show. So I'm, you know what? Thank you, Aaron. I think I'm going to like, see if I can find that and watch it some more because yeah, definitely. I feel like I should go back to the back to my roots you know and just feel like high school again i as a mentor people i don't have any idea how to respond to that congratulations good for you okay yeah okay yeah all right i like to see when i like when shows portray because high school sucked joe i don't know about mm-hmm. you but mm-hmm. high school sucked i had some good friends and i get along with a lot of people now but oh my god it was the worst especially if you were queer mm. For me, it was fucking hard. Yeah, I was obnoxious and I was an awful human being in high school. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> Sorry. I'm so glad because it sucked for me. Yeah. It was a lot of inner angst because I, you know, was struggling with yeah. the queer thing. I, too, was in a rural area and, you know, you just couldn't be queer. Yeah. Well, yeah, but see, you had a much firmer grasp on your identity. I was... Fucking, I didn't come out until I was 24. And it wasn't because, you know, I was hiding something. It just hadn't occurred to me. Uh huh. So. No, I definitely knew something was up. Yeah. So, you know, I think that that changes the experience a lot. Because, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to pretend. I mean, I, I, I knew I didn't belong, but it didn't have anything to do mm-hmm. with, you know, my sexuality. So, um, yeah. That's huh. it. Why, why did you feel like you didn't fit in, though? I mean, what oh, was it? Dude, it wasn't high school. It was my entire upbringing. We've talked about this. My, my, my yeah, mom. Yeah, but I mean, you grew up, you were in this community, and there are a lot of conservative people in rural communities. So, yeah, oh, I, I, mean, did, I knew I didn't belong in a conservative community, but I literally oh, had okay. no clue that I was queer. So that really, that wasn't a factor. But I've told you about my upbringing, about my mom's church, and yeah. my, my yeah. that's why I didn't belong. I had no idea. Okay. These people were very... Okay, so but, but in high school, you, you said you felt like you didn't belong. No, no, I didn't. But who feels like they belong in high school? But I, I feel like I didn't belong I to my entire, my entire youth. Like, my oh, entire, like okay. I, I, I feel very much like I, I, it, like I didn't belong. But I had a lot of fun. It didn't, mm-hmm. it didn't stop me from having fun. But Okay, cool. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, I had fun too, but it was, you know... Oh my god, high school is so douchey. It was like there were a lot of cliques in my high school mm-hmm. and you know, there were the you know, I was in drama club, but I was also I also played sports, so I was one of those weird crossover kids. Wait, you were in drama? 
I sure was. I just can't even picture you being dramatic. <laughs> I, dude, I was. <laughs> that I was sarcasm. This, you need to I learn know, how I to recognize it. Oh, in the Wizard of Oz. What? Nice, nice, <laughs> nice. You know yeah. what? You know who else I was? I played Mrs. Lovett in Sweeney Todd. Nice. That Very was a nice. Fun role. That was super fun. <laughs> You know, we took the the kids, Tara and I took uh, Michael and Noah to a, a high school play this last week. Uh-huh. Um, it was called High School Confidential. It was a musical. And yeah, one you of, said it was good, right? Yeah, it was. No, well, this, no, th- I don't think I told you about this. Because mm. uh, this is the second play we've taken them to in just the last. Oh, okay. It, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, and this the- one, one of my, my, one of my best friends, her um, daughter, what, played a... Uh, high school student, a lesbian high school student, and it was, it was really, really wow. cool. It was really good. My kids, and there was one of the one of the cast members was uh, a young uh, trans man, and so Noah mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. like literally bawling his eyes out because he, oh. the representation just made him so, like it just touched him at such a, a, a visceral mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. It was very cool, and he got to meet him after the after the oh, show. Oh my and, god, that's I'll bet that he loved that. Yeah, it was it was pretty. It was. The whole thing was just, it was great. I was really glad we were able to go. Anyway. That is so, I love to hear that, that that's happening in high schools. Yeah, there's so Jesus much Joe, dude, Can you imagine how different things would have been for us and our generation if we had had that kind of rep? And um, I know the rep is really still shitty, but any rep would have mm, been nice. Yeah. Oh, no, it was, it's, you know, it's one of those where, you know, the, the experience, you can see it defining and altering a self-perception for, you know, which is... Mm-hmm. A large part of why we took them, right? Because you know, you're these two little trans boys who, who get to see mm-hmm. themselves. And it wasn't that the character was trans; is that the actor playing a male mm-hmm. character mm-hmm. was it was a trans mm-hmm. actor, and right, exactly, and an out trans actor. It wasn't like you know you're looking, going, hmm, I wonder if. No, this was somebody who was out and very comfortable with it, and you know, talked about it, and, rep- and you know, so there's all this rep. It was so, so very cool. Anyway, sorry, I got distracted. Sorry. No, no, no. That I love that you talked about that. That is so because it's true. And I, you and I, have had this conversation about the differences in being queer in our generation Mm -hmm. versus younger generations, and it's so stark. And I, I was, I can't remember who I was talking about recently. You know, we didn't have the breadth of of language Mm -mm. to describe ourselves. And younger people are just, like, fucking owning it. And there's so much more language and representation available. So mm-hmm. we can you know, identifying as non-binary. And I think that bunches of us in our generation probably would have been able to identify as those things had we had the rep and the language. Yeah. Well, and part and of the, that language thing, resources. too. Resources. Yeah. But Noah, after seeing this, you know, he's talking about why it touched him so deeply. And one of Mm -hmm. his observations was just, Mom, it's just so important. I saw myself. I saw somebody like me. And, you know, Mm -hmm. to have a kid without really having that kind of, you know, to be able to articulate why it meant something was super cool. It just... It's, it's true. Yeah, I mean, it's think incredibly it. true. But for to have an, a twelve-year-old be able to identify that and to articulate what it means, oh my god, and, yeah, I love that. You know, yeah. I, and I wonder if we had had the wow, <sighs> if we had had the internet growing up, if maybe would have we would have been everything. Able, I think it would have changed yeah. things for a lot of us in our generation. Oh, I really yeah, do, absolutely. Um, but I also I love watching younger people just negotiate these mm-hmm. these intersecting terrains i just i fucking love it mm-hmm. and i don't i just think it's the most amazing and remarkable thing and you can't put that shit back into the box it's out there already mm-hmm. and people know to fight for it so yeah, we have a generation of young people who are already engaged politically and i mean I love it it's so, like, Gen, Gen, Gen Z is going to literally save the world. Can I just yeah. do shout-outs to Gen Z? Because yeah. I, I had a conversation with a friend of mine from grad school, and we were talking about um, Gen Z because her son is Gen Z. And we were like, I was like, you know why Gen Z is so fucking cool? 
And she's like, why? And I said, because Gen X raised them. Yeah, but Gen Us. X was so fucked. We're like trying to keep keep our kids from being as shallow and materialistic and fucked up and whatever as, as we are. Because I'm sorry, I, but like the, I'm the. sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to agree with you on that. There's dude. a whole segment of Gen X that invented. We were the we are the original latchkey kids. We had to develop our own lives. Our parents were the first to like not make enough money for one parent to stay home. I, we I had totally agree, out. but Gen Gen X is, you know, that's that's where, you know, the the concept of yuppies came from. The whole, you know, the whole image of the ugly American was solidified by Gen Z Gen oh, X. Oh hell yeah. Like these are Fuck the things yeah. like I want my kids to be better. But the better. Yeah, free range parenting was a thing. <laughs> Gen, Gen, Gen X. X did that. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Gen no. X, there's a lot of fucking cool shit that Gen X did. Oh. Okay. And that like, and a lot of us are fucking cool, Jove. I'm sorry. Oh, I can't. Yeah, no, we're very, very cool, cool people. I, I I'm super <laughs> like, cool. No, obviously. But uh, and <laughs> you know, saying. let's not forget that the eighties gave us some really, really awesome the 80s, music. <laughs> the eighties yeah, I'm sorry. Consumerism is something that fucks with everybody millennials are struggling with it too yeah and those are boomer kids those are boomer kids gen x i think because a lot of us grew up really cynical and from you know fucked up households and mm -hmm. and i think that our generation just was like and i don't know about in our childhoods at least i we're making a lot of generalizations dear listeners please mm -hmm. we understand okay at least you know the way i grew up was like Oh, well, you fell out of that tree. Well, whose fault was that? Yours. <laughs> Why'd you let go of the tree? <laughs> Why'd you climb you the tree? Why'd you it, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's yeah. just like my parents were like, you got to learn how to fend for yourself. Yeah. And, you know, my Suck parents were up. always like, always like, you know, you can succeed, but you have to work for it and you have to figure out the best route to that success. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody's going to hand you anything. And if you do get handed things, it's usually because they've noticed that you're working your ass off. Mm -hmm. You know, so yeah. a lot of Gen X has that ethos. Like, nobody, there is no fucking free ride, bitches, so we make the goddamn roller coaster. Yeah. That's what we yeah. did. Yeah, it's true. And I think there's something really useful to that, and I think a lot of um, Gen X parents are trying to raise their kids with a little more involvement, but also with that sense of independence well, that Gen X had. Gen X too, Gen X. in in fairness, because I give Gen X a lot of crap, but I am Gen X, so I can. But that's where you first started to see, you know, the the peeling back of the veil. You know what I mean? Like all the yeah. the power structures. You, people started to actually talk about the fact that those power structures were toxic and awful. You know, yes, people yeah. started evaluating the Catholic Church, and they started evaluating, you know, how truly damaging you know uh sexual harassment is in the workplace and you know i mean so yeah a lot of good stuff happened with gen, gen x i will agree i will you know me there's a vanity fair article actually about why generation x might be the, one of the, the last best hopes and there was a really cool line from that article it says you know this person it was written by a gen xer it's like we knew that you choose your story or a story is chosen for you. It's true. And and that's the truth. That's like words to live by. I mean, you make your own magic. And it's not, you know, you can't just sit around going, well, I hope I win that ribbon for showing yeah. up to class. It's like you make your own fucking magic. And mm -hmm. if you don't show up, you can't play. So get in the game and don't. And here's the thing that I think people... Um, and I think Gen Z is pretty good about recognizing this, but shit does not get handed to you. Yeah. You have to sort of, you got to just go out there and grab it well, and start making your own magic. Gen X is like the last, the last um, vestiges of like that really old school corporal punishment approach to uh, school too. I mean, my, my principals all the way from grade school to high school had paddles hanging in their offices and used them. Like that was a... I didn't. Oh, damn, my. girl. Yeah, I went well, to Catholic school, but only rural third fucking grade. Idaho, right? Like, and they were there and they were used. And, you know, there were things like my one of my teachers in middle school, in junior high, because it was junior high then, mm -hmm. um, 
got so frustrated, his social studies teacher got so frustrated with a student that he took a roll of masking tape and literally ah. wrapped the kid's head in tape because he wanted him to stop talking. And he literally just, like, the whole roll of tape around his head. And, you know, ah. walked off his mouth, his eyes. Yeah, he's lucky the kid could still breathe when he was done. And, you know, shit like that happened. And do you think that teacher got fired? No. Do you think that no. teacher got talked to? Maybe. But Wow. Yeah, I mean, you know, Gen X, we still had that. And, you know, now... Well, let me, let me give you some stats on Gen X here. Gen X is 25% of the population but makes up 31% of the total U.S. income. Gen X founded 55% of the nation's startups. Nearly half live in multi-generational homes. I like that. Which is kind of which is really super cool because cool, that's a return um, to yeah traditional whatever. which is yeah, super like freaking it. cool okay. and and here are some some gen x folks okay senators kamala d harris mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. kirsten gillibrand oh yeah amy oh, klobuchar yeah. oh yeah oh yeah and barack obama mm -hmm. cory booker nice nice leon castro and former congressman beto o'rourke yeah they're all running and, for president all, other than obama and they're all running for yeah. fucking president gen x is like fuck yeah and if i was elected president y'all you know who i would put my cabinet gen fucking z mm -hmm. bitches <laughs> y'all got more sense than anybody <laughs> yeah anyway I, I just let i like i love talking generations just because it's interesting to see the different ethos of the different generations yeah, and those are that. all like all those names that you present those are all people who are known for having pro progressive kind approaches to politics and for being incredibly hardworking and actually living a social servant life. Cory Booker, oh my God. Not to suggest not to suggest that Gen X does not have fucking douchebags. We oh, do. Sh sure. Every, we all, every generation has douchebags, y'all. Just saying. Yes. But I can also say that, the, that those douchebags are also pretty hardworking at their douchery. They, oh my God, right? Yeah, they super try hard. They, <laughs> they try hard to they super douche it and you know let's give them props for working hard to be in the douchebags but anyway um yeah so god damn it aaron got us all going off on generations um and also i just <laughs> wanted to like say my so-called life took place in the 90s and it dealt with a lot of issues homophobia drug use i think there was an abortion issue at one point so it was a really cool show that addressed kids in high school dealing with like larger issues and that's why it was a really great show and it it was a really shitty that it got canceled after 19 episodes so yes i agree with you aaron um also aaron it is perfectly legit to form connections with fictional characters oh yeah so i say that as the hardcore clexa aficionado who writes a lot of clexa fanfic okay thank you all right no, Joe. you know who <laughs> who my connection is that is maintained and last last no. through Fucking Iggy Thread Good. Yes! Right? Love fried tomatoes! Mm -hmm. And did you know that Mary Stuart Masterson is on uh, Blind Spot now? Oh my god, did I know that? It's. I have not. I have to catch up on Blind Spot. I haven't been watching it. Yeah, I haven't been watching it either, which is why I had a small religious experience when I realized <laughs> that she was on it. I'm just like, oh, what have I been missing? Yeah. Yes, she looks so good. She's speaking oh, of Gen X. So in love with her. <laughs> so 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 in love with her. And who was